This is Witness Radio with Ryan Muniak, where you learn biblical evangelism from real-life encounters. Hey there, welcome to Witness Radio, the show where you learn how to share your faith the right way, the biblical way, by listening to real-life witnessing encounters and hearing from experts in biblical evangelism. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak, and just so you know, you can leave feedback by calling 513-900-8070, or you can email us, find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, and our website is witnesstalkradio.org. And I also encourage you to subscribe to Witness Radio on your favorite podcast app. This episode of Witness Radio is brought to you by Audible. I know you like listening to stuff because you're listening to me right now. So go to witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and sign up for a free audiobook and 30-day trial today. Today, I finally get to welcome back my friend, author, fellow evangelist, Roger Patterson. He's a speaker, writer, and researcher for Answers in Genesis. He's authored a ton of books, and we're actually going to be talking about a series that is just finished coming out. It's a box set of world religions and cults. And, well, you didn't hear the last time I talked about this because it got ruined for some reason. But if you didn't hear the last time Roger was on the show where we talked about how he's a former Mormon and how he came out of that religion, please go back to episode 106. The title is Former LDS Mormon. Go find that. It's a great episode. Tells you all the ins and outs of Mormonism. Even talks about the special underwear that everybody jokes jokes about, but he says you shouldn't joke about it because it's a sensitive topic. Roger, thank you so much for coming onto the show, and thank you for telling us more about world religions and cults today. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and it's great to be with you. I know that we talked all about you in episode 106, but for those of you, the listeners who don't want to take the time to go back and listen to that, which you should listen to that, it's very good. Please tell us very quickly a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I grew up in uh, southern Idaho, northern Utah, in a half LDS family. My parents were actually divorced when I was young, but I lived with my mom's side of the family and uh, grew up in Salt Lake City area for a number of years in the northern Utah. Very involved in the Mormon church. My mom's whole side of the family uh, are very heavily involved in the church, with exception of a couple of her sisters. But um, I reached a point at about age 14 because of family problems and religious problems and lots of situations where I just saw the the hypocrisy in the church and everybody was just faking it and playing and, and it just didn't seem real and authentic. And I uh, basically went back to live with my dad and denied everything about God. I basically turned away from God and and rejected anything having to do with religion um, and went through high school still having those types of thoughts. And then there were a couple influences in my life. Uh, first, my best friend's dad was a, a deacon at the local Lutheran church. And uh, then this cute girl showed up to my school. Oh, <laughs> That's always dangerous. And um, started dating her and she was a Christian. And uh, so I went through that period of time kind of questioning God and not really thinking. So there was a time where I would have called myself an atheist and denying all of those things. 
uh, pursuing the pleasures of the world. Went off to college, and then after she graduated, we got married, and I pretended to be a Christian and really wasn't, and I knew it, and I think she knew it, but uh, she was um, not well-discipled. And so we went through college, and I worked on Sundays, so didn't have the the um, opportunity to go to church, as I thought, but it was really just a dodge on my part. But then after I graduated, um, I was a school teacher, and so I didn't have any duties on Sunday anymore. So we started going to this uh, Baptist church in northern Wyoming, where we wound up, and I was teaching high school biology and chemistry there. And I just realized that I had become the hypocrite that I hated when I was uh, younger, and uh, started reading the Bible one summer, thinking either this is all true or none of it's true, and asked God to show me those things. And and as I read through the Bible that summer and into the fall, I don't have a, a drop to your knees moment kind of testimony, but uh, God just changed my heart. And I realized that he was the creator of everything. Uh, I had gone through a period of time in high school or in a college where I would have called myself kind of a a deist or a theistic evolutionist. Yeah, maybe there's some kind of God who's directing all of this stuff. Uh, but then that uh, that year, um, God just totally flipped a switch in my mind, in my heart, and I was seeking to honor Him in things and uh, stopped teaching the evolutionary biology that I'd been teaching for years. Uh, in the classroom, I still had to teach those things because that was part of the expectation. Uh, but we had a, a bit of an open forum to uh, kind of share other ideas with the kids as well. It was a very religious community in small town Wyoming. And then um, got a job here at Answers in Genesis, working in the curriculum department. Been here for about 11 years, serving that way, uh, writing all kinds of curriculum and editing things, uh, different book projects like this, online education, um, working with uh, so the speakers and, and our editorial review board. So lots of amazing opportunities God's given me uh, coming from such a, a diverse background. Very cool. So getting into the book series that you have just come out with, The World, Religions, and Cults, there's three volumes to it. Now, volume one and two, they've been out for a little while. Volume three just came out at the end of last year. And now they've got this whole box set with a poster included on the inside. What's the poster all about? Uh, when you buy the box set or you can buy it separately, there's a poster that comes with it. That poster has a, a history of religions. It goes clear back to the beginning. Uh, you'll see creation and Adam and Eve on there. And it traces a bunch of different religious philosophies and views through the years. And as it moves into uh, the time after Christ, it starts to show how some of the different denominations arose. So you've got the five basic uh, groups that developed into all the different denominations we see uh, in the world today relating to Christianity and how some of the different cults have been born out of those uh, traditions. And uh, so people <laughs> always want to find their denomination. They say, oh, where's the Southern Baptists? Oh, where are the Evangelical Frees? Oh, where are the Lutherans? And and uh, so it's a it's a great poster that kind of shows the the transition in thought over time of how different uh, religious philosophies have developed and, and adapted through the years. 
I am excited to get my hands on one of those because I, I love the the visual, the the ability to just look at a big picture scheme of things and see exactly what I need to see right away. Now, volume one was all about the counterfeits of Christianity. And I got to ask, why is Islam and Satanism in counterfeits of Christianity? Well, the basic idea of, of that book is to look at anything that um, reveres the Bible to some extent or borrows from the Christian moral ethic or basic philosophy. So Islam, uh, most people wouldn't think of that as a counterfeit of Christianity, but it is indeed a monotheistic religion. They believe that there's one God. Uh, they look back to the Torah as part of uh, the revelation from God. So they view Adam and Moses uh, and even Jesus as prophets. So there's some reverence for the Bible, even though the Quran and other uh, things would supersede uh, the understanding that the Bible presents. But they still have a very parallel um, thought structure. They're looking to one God who reveals truth, and they um, still use the Bible to some extent. And even with uh, Satanism, they're borrowing that idea of good and evil, the concept of, of Satan as the all-powerful, wicked one. Of course, that's a twisting of what the Bible presents, uh, but they're still taking those ideas from the Bible and then using them to develop a religious philosophy. Okay, that makes sense. So I've got a follow-up question now, and this is regarding volume two, which volume two is moralistic, mythical, and mysticism religions. You have Unitarianism in Volume 2, but I personally would consider that more of a Volume 1 counterfeit of Christianity. So why is that in Volume 2? Uh, because Volume 1 was already big enough. And <laughs> we didn't have no, <laughs> no, there are a lot of these uh, religious philosophies that it would be appropriate to place in either um, one or two of these books. And Unitarianism is certainly one that's born out of a Christian background. Uh, it was quite fascinating to do the research on that and trace that back to uh, the time of the Protestant Reformation and how these groups in in Europe, uh, in Italy, in Poland, and some other places were uh, looking at the Bible and seeing that there's only one God, and hence the Unitarian, that God is not a trinity, but is a unity, is only one, um, one person, not just one being in three persons, as the Trinitarian expression has it. But then they took those ideas and started to twist them, and it migrated to England. And then at the time of the uh, colonization of America, it migrated over to America, uh, influence even with people like Thomas Jefferson and, and Ben Franklin and Joseph Priestley and others who were bringing those ideas back and forth uh, from America to England. And then later, uh, as those churches were waning, they got a, a bit of transcendental uh, infusion from people like Ralph Waldo Emerson and others who brought a very moralistic, humanistic flavor to, uh, to this Unitarian thought process, to the point that today you can be an atheist Unitarian, uh, you can be a Unitarian who worships the Norse gods, you can be a Unitarian who worships Gaia, Mother Earth, and it's all blended into one 
uh, big pot. The only thing you're not allowed to be is a Bible-believing Christian. So you can believe anything as long as you leave the door open to everything. There's inclusivity as long as there's no exclusivity. That's a great way to say it, yeah. You're listening to Witness Radio. Do you enjoy listening to Witness Radio? Would you like to help us continue making great content for you? Then please visit witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible. You'll get a free audiobook of your choice and you'll be supporting this show. Need a suggestion? How about Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World by Ken Ham and Steve Ham? It doesn't cost you a dime, but it's a huge help to us. And you get a free audiobook out of the deal. So go to witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and start your free trial today. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. Now, your most recent book in the series is on atheistic and humanistic religions. And my first question for this one is, are there really so many humanistic and atheistic religions that you had to devote a whole book to them? Well, it's not that they're really well-defined philosophies in some senses, but to take a a big picture look at the books, uh, the basic concept is to say that there are really only two religious views in the world. Either you start with the true religion that is revealed from God, the one true God, and worshiping him in spirit and truth as he's revealed to us in the Bible, or you're taking man's ideas and making those supreme. Now, a lot of these will blend, as we talked about before, um, parts of the Bible together with man's ideas. But the whole concept is that uh, you're either worshiping according to God's plan or you're worshiping according to man's plan. And when we think about man uh, being the measure of all things, that's kind of the definition of humanism and even atheism. Uh, so in a, in a big picture spectrum, what we've tried to do in this third book is look at uh, religious philosophies that deny the existence of God um, and really shift the attention to man as being the one who's in control of all things. And just like we see with other religious philosophies, there are a lot of little splinters and, and what we might even call sects. So you have hard atheists and soft atheists and agnostics, and all of these people deny that there's an existence of God, but they do it to different degrees and in different ways. Uh, so we really try to explore a lot of those different um, sects of, of atheistic thinking throughout this book. Okay. And that's actually another one of my questions was, aren't these all just varying degrees of atheism? Yeah, that's, that's, um, not wrong, but, uh, they, different atheists would come at the questions, the big questions of life from different perspectives. Okay. And so if you, if you find out that someone you're trying to witness to is an atheist, and you go off and rail against them and say, oh, I can't believe that you just flat out deny the existence of God. That's a contradiction in logic and blah, blah, blah. And they don't believe that. Maybe they're a soft atheist or they're agnostic. You've really just run right past them and showed them 
that you don't really understand their philosophy. And so we're trying to encourage people to slow down and engage in good conversations with people so that you can uh, draw out what they believe and try to understand this person's uh, underlying philosophy of the world and say, okay, so you you believe that you can't prove there's no God, but you're going to live your life as if there's no God and focus your, your questions and your attention on uh, very specific aspects of their thinking, not trying to use a big, broad brush uh, just like we wouldn't, as Christians, we wouldn't want a Muslim who's trying to share his religious views with us to assume that we worship Mary or or that um, we do this and that because that's not part of our specific tradition. And so we don't want to paint others with a broad brush just as we don't want to be painted with that broad brush. Okay, so then you could maybe say that volume three is revolving around the various atheistic denominations. Yeah, it really is. There, there are different sects. There are different ways that they come at the world. Um, you have the very uh, hard atheists. We think of people like uh, Richard Dawkins and Daniel Dennett and Sam Harris, those who are very vocal and acidic. And then you have others who are just they just don't believe there's a God and they're just trying to live their lives and get on in the world and they're not trying to cause trouble for anybody. Uh, so looking at those uh, different philosophies, uh, we can engage them with the gospel and the hope of Christ. Okay. And regarding the atheistic and humanistic worldview, is it true that if you follow that worldview to its logical conclusion, that it can bring nothing but chaos and anarchy? Um, ultimately, but of course the atheists would deny that they would say, well, look, we have, uh, there's an atheist society here in Europe. We pretty much deny the existence of God and everybody gets along just fine. Uh, so there is, there is a sense that if they were to carry out a lot of their ideas and extend them to their logical conclusions, yes, there would be a lot of, of chaos and anarchy because it's really uh, the matter of every man doing what is right in his own eyes. So if we think about uh, the philosophy of humanism, which would be part of that atheistic spectrum, humanism says that man is the measure of all things and that working together, we can determine what is true, we can determine what is right, we can determine what is good. Uh, it's kind of a philosophy of everybody working together uh, to understand how the world works. It involves a lot of uh, reliance on scientific inquiry and popular psychology mixed in with that. And it looks to say, okay, here's here's the way society's functioning. What's good about this? What's bad about this? How can we make it better? So they're really trying to focus on those things. The problem is there's no consistent definition of what good and bad is. Uh, there's no consistent definition of what right and wrong is. One person might determine that it's right to wipe out an entire race of people so that my race can survive. And indeed, that was the philosophy that we saw with with uh, Hitler and other uh, leaders like Pol Pot. And, and that philosophy uh, bred this idea, borrowing from a naturalistic worldview that says, 
nature is what shapes the way humans are, and it's a process of survival of the fittest. And applying a lot of those ideas, uh, they took those things to their natural conclusion and said, look, we're the superior race. We're the ones who should be dominating and running the world. We should be wiping out all of these weaker people. And they really took that humanism uh, to, to a level of human depravity, as we would understand it from scripture, that was more consistent with uh, their actual worldview. However, there are a lot of humanists who want to try to do good in the world and to make people happy, uh, but they're really not living in a way that's consistent. They have no grounding for saying this is right and this is wrong. And indeed, those things have changed over time within humanistic thinking. With that explanation, you mentioned a lot of evolutionary terms, survival of the fittest, stuff like that. Does evolution, a belief in evolution, create atheists? Um, Not necessarily. Uh, It's certainly one of the foundational tenets of uh, a humanistic or atheistic philosophy. Because in order to be an atheist, you have to believe that everything that exists came into existence without the direction of any uh, type of mind or God or anything guiding it. Um, Naturalism or materialism Uh, not talking about going out and looking at nature or or gathering wealth, but naturalism and materialism are philosophical worldviews that say only nature, uh, the interactions of matter and energy over time exist. And so that has to be able to explain everything that we see in the world today. So as we sit here at this table and we're talking to one another using language and Uh, We're using these microphones and and recording devices and all that technology. They would have to look back over time and explain how all of this came to be through natural causes. And so there is a fundamental need for a materialistic or naturalistic worldview within atheism and humanism. Uh, If you look at the humanist manifestos, the various ones that have been written over the decades, those indeed declare that humans evolved from uh, primitive creatures in the past and that now humans are are here on the planet. Uh, but that doesn't mean that others haven't been religious of various stripes, believing in a God, but believing that that God used evolution as a process. And in fact, we know there are even Christians today who would say that God used the process of evolution to bring things into being. So it isn't, uh, it's necessary to be an evolutionist if you're an atheist, some form of evolution, maybe not necessarily the Darwinian evolution that we know today, uh, but there's got to be some form of evolution. But the, the contrary isn't true. You don't have to be an atheist if you believe in evolution. Okay. But would you say that the acceptance of those evolutionary ideas would lead people into that worldview? It's certainly uh, an opportunity for the atheists to evangelize or proselytize and and promote their worldview. Um, We see that influence, especially in the public school systems here in America today, where there's a the only view of origins that is allowed to be taught in science classes is that of an atheistic religious worldview. And it goes back to 
the Big Bang forming the universe through a process of cosmic evolution, and it moves on to the Earth forming through a process of geologic evolution over billions of years, and then to life evolving on the Earth over billions of years through biological evolution. So there are really three forms, and those all come together to create this picture uh, or this story of how life evolved on the Earth. But oftentimes that's really all it is. It's just a story that describes all of these things that might have happened in the past. No one was there to observe the Big Bang. No one was there to observe uh, how the Earth formed. No one was there to observe how the first life came to be. Uh, No one was there to observe how all of these animals supposedly evolved over billions of years. And so one of the hallmarks of scientific study, observation, uh, observing those things and being able to repeat and test a hypothesis, uh, it's not possible with an evolutionary scenario. You have to uh, use a different form of, of reasoning to come to those conclusions. And so when scientists and teachers and others present this information and it's put out in uh, PBS specials like NOVA and, and the National Geographic Channel and others who are promoting all of these views, they make it look very convincing. And they're spending billions of dollars to promote that religious philosophy. And all of that goes to undermine what uh, parents, Christian parents, are trying to teach their children that God created us. We're created in the image of God as special creations. We didn't evolve from an ape-like ancestor. And so, yeah, there's a very, there's a very real danger of being caught into that story. And it sounds reasonable. And look at all these fossils they have. And oh, they've got DNA evidence. And oh, it couldn't have come from just two people. It must have been at least 10,000. And all of these things sound very convincing. But it's really a matter of authority. Are we going to trust these scientists who are telling us all of these stories about the past? Or are we going to trust God, who is the creator of all things and who has revealed those things to us in the Bible? Yeah, that is so true. You know, I have four little children at home and, you know, whenever they're watching a television show, a cartoon show or something, my wife and I, we have to be very careful to watch what they're watching because they try to slip in evolutionary ideas at the drop of a hat and they get it out there like it's nothing. Yeah, one of the examples I use is... uh... Dinosaur Train, which is a PBS mm-hmm. kids series, which is aimed at very young children, uh, second graders and and down. And I use a clip in one of my talks where the uh, the dinosaurs go to visit some dinosaurs that are way up in the Arctic in the north. So they get on the train and head north. And what do you know? They get up to the north, and the dinosaurs up there who are playing hockey have feathers. And why do they have those feathers? It's to cover their body. And they say, oh, we've never seen dinosaurs with feathers before. Well, that's because they live in the South where it's warm. And then um, the paleontologist who comes on, his name is escaping me right now. (laughs) He, He comes on and explains to the kids, hey, kids, did you know that we think dinosaurs who lived in the North probably had more feathers than the ones who lived in the South? And he goes on to explain all this and and he relates it to animals that the kids know. Well, think about a grizzly bear or a polar bear. It's got lots of fur, 
but that wouldn't help it down in the south where it's warm, and, and it sounds very reasonable. The problem is they've never found feathers on those dinosaurs that are in warmer or in colder climates compared to the ones that are in warmer. Now, whether or not there are feathers on dinosaurs is kind of an open discussion. Uh, God could have created them that way. There's no reason he couldn't have. But to, to make those claims without any real evidence is, is the story that gets told, and it sounds very convincing. And even in first and second grade, they're trying to convince the, the children to believe that story about the past. Right. And they're trying to tie it in to the evolutionary idea that dinosaurs had feathers and they became birds. Yeah, that transition um, is one that's been disputed even within uh, the secular scientific community, uh, whether they came from a bird-like creature or more of a crocodile-like creature, there's still some some debate. But the popular line is that uh, some type of theropod dinosaur, some type of, like a raptor, uh, evolved into the, the birds that we see flying around today. And indeed, when you're having a, a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, it's really just Kentucky Fried Dinosaur. Mmm, makes your <laughs> mouth water, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we will be right back with more from Roger Patterson as we talk about world religions and cults. You're listening to Witness Radio. The children of Lima, Peru, face many difficulties. Hunger, neglect, abuse, and most importantly, a lack of the gospel. Heart of Christ Ministry seeks to bring the gospel and to fulfill the other needs of the children. Please consider partnering with us. You can sponsor a child for just $25 a month, and there are many other ways to help. Please visit hofcm.org. You know you should read your Bible every day, but things just seem to get in the way. How would you like it if someone else did the reading for you? Bible 365 is a new podcast that reads your daily dose of scripture for you. There's no annoying chapter breaks to distract you or personal commentary to confuse you. Just listen to God's Word on Bible 365 and you'll get through the whole Bible in one year. Go to muniacfamily.com slash Bible365 or find Bible365 on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to Witness Radio. Welcome back to the show. Again, we're talking about world religions and cults with Roger Patterson. And if you want to get this three-book set that also has a poster inside, you can go to witnesstalkradio.org slash AIG to buy it, or we're actually going to give away a whole set thanks to Newly Publishing Group and Masterbooks. They really wanted to bless you guys, the listeners, with a whole set. So make sure you sign up at the giveaway page at witnesstalkradio.org. Roger, thank you again for being on the show. Tell me about the series. Now, you are one of the general editors, along with Bodie Hodge, who was also on the show recently. So that means that you guys didn't write everything that's in these books. Who are some of the other authors that we can expect to learn from in these books? Um, your listeners will surely know this guy named Todd Friel. <laughs> he helped in, yep. in uh, another one who's yep. going to be on the show soon chapter on secular humanism in the third volume. Um, Ron Rhodes, uh, we have contributions from lots of different authors who you might not be familiar with, but what we really tried to do is find people who had experience and expertise in these different areas. 
uh, we can go and, and research these things and write about them, but we wanted uh, the chapters to be more than just uh, a bunch of encyclopedic knowledge that we can go and accumulate, but um, authors who were really involved in uh, these different philosophies. So uh, another one in the third volume, uh, Dr. Nathan Merrill grew up in uh, Eastern Europe during the time of communism uh, in a missionary family. And so he writes the chapter on communism because he was there to experience those things firsthand. And he can, I mean, there's a picture in the book of a, of a ration card during that time and, and things that bring a more personable element uh, so a lot of people ask me, well, why would you want to buy another book on world religions or why would you want to write one? Aren't there already 20 out there? Yeah, there are. Uh, but this uh, this series tries to be a little different. We have all of that information. We talk about the founders. We try to uh, develop all the ideas and share those different aspects of the the religious philosophy. But it also brings into it a lot of those personal elements and uh, makes it a little bit more readable than just sitting down with something like Walter Martin's Kingdom of the Cults and that feels like you're reading an encyclopedia. Uh, so it's written in a little different style. Right. I'm so glad you said that because that's why these books are one of the first books I grab when I want to do some research on a world religion or a cult. I'll, I'll go to one of these books for that encyclopedic knowledge. But I'll also go to these books because of the easy-to-read capability with these books. And what would you say is one of the biggest benefits for those who grab this set or even just one of the books? What would you say is the biggest benefit that they could get from it? We have about 1,200 pages between all three volumes. So there is a wealth of knowledge here and a breadth of knowledge but you can uh, read kind of the introductory chapters to the first volume especially, get kind of the basic uh, mindset of what, how we're trying to approach these different religious philosophies. Like I said, we're either looking at a religion that is based in God's word alone or it's blending things with man's word or it's totally made up by men uh, in the case of something like Scientology. But uh, you're going to find in these, in these books, uh, especially at the end, there's a little table that develops six basic ideas. And if you can, uh, if you get intimidated by thinking, oh, I've got to learn all about these religions and know everything about the Baha'i faith before I can even share the gospel with anybody, uh, I would ask you to examine that thinking. That's not the way we want to think about things. Uh, the real goal is to know your Bible so well that when you rec when you hear a counterfeit idea, you can recognize it and and deal with that. Um, so rather than trying to get an exhaustive knowledge of everything, you can go to the chapter. Let's say uh, you move into a new neighborhood and there happens to be a, a Hindu temple a few blocks down the road. You can pick up volume two, open to the chapter on Hinduism, read through that chapter, uh, get a basic understanding of what these people believe, and then be better equipped to engage them and uh, uh, talk with them about these things. And you're going to hear them using terms, and you can recognize some of those terms and say, oh, I've heard about that idea of, of samsara. Can you explain that to me a little bit more? Who's the one who controls how you're reincarnated? And and just having a little bit of that that background lets you engage them better. And each of the chapters at the back end has a little table that breaks it down into six basic ideas. And if you can kind of frame your thinking about these six basic ideas, you can approach any worldview and engage it. 
So who do these people believe God is? Uh, What's the authority or revelation? Uh, How do they understand sin? How do they understand salvation? How do they understand the nature of man? And then how do they understand the world or the universe came into existence? And with that little, that simple six-part framework, you can ask some some really good probing questions that will draw out their those uh, ideas within their religious philosophy. So you simply ask the question: So how do you understand who God is in your religious worldview? Um, what is what is your concept of sin? How do you know what is right and wrong? Just simple questions like that are going to uh, allow them to share what they believe about those things. And, and my experience is if you ask people about what they believe and what they think, they're more than willing to talk to you sometimes for way, more, way longer than you wanted to. Right. That actually sounds a lot like the Columbo technique that I'm forgetting his name, but Stand to Reason is his ministry. He talks about the Columbo technique where you're asking questions. And then there's, I think it's Jay Lucas who has a book called Ask Them Why. It's all about asking questions to get exactly what people believe out of them. And then you can use that pretty much against them to share the biblical worldview. Yeah. You can be looking for inconsistencies in the way that they talking about things uh, within their own philosophy or inconsistencies with the Bible and help share the truth of the gospel through those those differences that you hear as you're as you're listening and it also shows interest you're you're showing interest in the person that you're talking to not just trying to talk at them okay and that's greg kugel that's that's the person i was trying to think of that i couldn't think of so this is the big question we don't need to know everything about every religion in order to be an effective witness what we need to know is the bible But the big question is, should we use the same approach to evangelism regardless of who we're talking to, regardless of their background? Um, I think that's a a question that each person is going to have to answer. But the basic idea is we need to help uh, people understand who God is, who man is, how man has sinned, what God has done to remedy that in Christ and call them to repentance and faith. So there's, in in a real basic sense, that's the law gospel paradigm. Mm-hmm. And we need to we need to open up God's word to them, whether we're literally opening a Bible and reading it to them or presenting those ideas from scripture very clearly or quoting scripture. Uh, we present to them what God says about man, what God says about you as an individual sinner and get them to recognize that in a personal way. Not just, oh yeah, people do bad things, oh yeah, people sin, but saying, I am a sinner, and uh, helping them understand that, using things like God's law to open those, uh, open up God's law and show them that here are the ways that you violated God's law, and here is the remedy, pointing them back to the, uh, the concept that God created mankind in Adam, we were perfect, that uh, in Adam, we fell, and that now we're each individually responsible for our actions so that not only do we have that sin nature inherited through Adam, but we each individually sin and are responsible for those things before God. And as we as we draw out those truths, we trust that the Holy Spirit will be working to bring conviction of sin and that through that proclamation of the word, and the work of the Spirit, 
God will change hearts and minds. And it's not our job to do that. Our job is to proclaim the truth and point them to the bad news of their sin and their separation from God, and then tell them all about the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. So as we are wrapping up this interview and this episode, do you have anything on the horizon, any new books that are coming out or any speaking engagements or conferences? What's going on in the future? Well, thankfully, after many years of hard work, this project is wrapped up. Um, of course, we're still making little tweaks and, and uh, a few edits going into the second printing of, the, of uh, Volume 3. But this summer, we do have a big conference coming up. So every summer, AIG uh, does a major conference. And this summer, the theme uh, has nothing to do with the Reformation necessarily, <laughs> as so many others uh, on this 500th anniversary are doing. Uh, we decided we'd let others deal with that. But we are indeed having a World Religions and Cults Conference July 24th through the 27th, and it will be held here in the Northern Kentucky area at uh, Florence Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Corey Abney is actually one of the authors. He did the voodoo chapter because uh, he and his church do a lot of work in Haiti. And so they have some real experience there dealing with uh, voodoo culture in Haiti. And so he'll be uh, hosting us there at, at his church. So we'll have Dr. Ron Rhodes uh, coming in to speak on several topics. Uh, Bodie Hodge will be there speaking. Uh, Dr. Mortensen from our staff. And I'll be doing uh, the talks on... Mormonism and Islam. I, I really drew the short stick on that one, getting to be the one to, to deal with Islam. But uh, I've, I've studied that a lot and learned a lot from uh, Dr. James White through the years and uh, had the opportunity to share with some Muslims doing street evangelism and things. And uh, when people come to the conference, they'll also have access uh, with those uh, tickets to the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. So we, we hope people will come and spend some time before visiting those attractions and then stay for the conference or even come to the conference and stay after. Uh, there'll be some time built in for uh, for opportunities to take trips as well uh, to see those things. Uh, but that's the, that's the next big major thing uh, coming up this summer. Very cool. And I know I'm looking forward to that conference. I'm actually going to be there representing Living Waters because yeah, easy will be there. Emails Wayne, the president of Living Waters. He's going to be one of the speakers. And if you're at the conference, please come by and say hi. I'll be at the Living Waters table. Come by, say hi. I'd love to meet you. And go bug Roger as well. Go go see him and say hi to him too. I, I'm sure he won't mind. Just don't do it while he's speaking. <laughs> so, Roger, where can people go for more information about that conference and about the ministry in general? Um, the best place to go is right to answersingenesis.org. And from that page, you can navigate to all the different resources that we have. Uh, we have thousands of articles online. I'm sure we're approaching 6,000 online articles and all kinds of topics uh, covering everything from contradictions in the Bible to uh, scientific research papers and, and very detailed stuff. And there you can find a, the events tab, which will take you to the answers outreach page where you can learn more about that, uh, the conference, how to register for that. Um, I'm not sure when the early bird <laughs> specials will end, but there are early bird rates for those who register early. And uh, you can find all the details there. 
uh, by visiting AnswersInGenesis.org and looking for the events tab. Okay, very cool. And AnswersInGenesis.org, is that where people can go if they want to contact you for speaking engagements or if they have questions that you that they would want you to answer? Uh, yes, there we have a, a contact us page down at the bottom. Uh, there's a link there that would take you to a contact page and uh, then there's a, a set of links. So I work with uh, with Answers Bible Curriculum as one of the writers for that. It's a Sunday school curriculum we're developing. So if you have a question about that, there's a link there. If you have a question about events, there's a link for that. If you have a, just a general ministry question, there's a link there that will go to our correspondence department. And uh, if you just don't know who to ask, you can send it to that link, and then uh, the people in that department will direct it to the right person to answer those questions. Very cool. And just a reminder, everyone, that Masterbooks, newly publishing group, they're the ones that printed these books, World Religions and Cults, the, the whole series, and they have a box set that they want to give away for free to one lucky person. Go to the giveaway page at witnesstalkradio.org to sign up for your chance to win a copy of this whole set. It won't be signed because it's wrapped in saran wrap and all that, but I'm sure you'll you'll survive without Roger's signature on the three books. I think that actually drops the price by about $5 once I sign it. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> all right. And if you just want to buy the book, go to witnesstalkradio.org slash AIG. And not only will you get to find this series, but you can find all of their resources, all their books, all their DVDs at that website, witnesstalkradio.org slash AIG. And anything you buy helps support this show. So please go buy some stuff. I'd appreciate it. Roger, thank you so much for coming on the show yet again. And hopefully I don't screw up the recording this time. <laughs> it's been great. And I uh, really hope it's a blessing to your listeners and that as they, as they get these books and use them, that God will truly um, bless their work as they go out to share the gospel and it would just encourage them to uh, be bold and proclaim that glorious truth, the truth that sets us free. Amen. And thank you listeners for hearing another episode of Witness Radio. Make sure you go to witnesstalkradio.org to find the show notes and leave feedback. Don't forget to join us on social media and share this episode with your friends. But now that the show is over, it's time for you to go, that is, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. May God bless you. This show has been a production of the Muniac family. Please pray for us as we continue to minister in the tri-state area and around the globe with Christ-centered programs.